Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. Hello, I'm Greg Monteith, and this week I'm going to be continuing from the uh, series last week, which was introducing the Integration Project. This week I want to start off by looking at a couple of things I mentioned at the end of last week, uh, particularly, or last episode rather, uh, this notion of seekers. So I want to present to you my view that seekers as a group simply do not exist. This is a a non-existent entity. Rather, what I think seekers represent are, on the one hand, for Christians, this is a sort of fictitious group that Christians believe in in order to make them feel better about their faith. And I know that sounds extremely harsh, but I simply do not believe that there are a group of people out there who are best identified and defined as those who are seeking. They're seeking this, seeking that. Oh, look, let's try Christianity. I don't really think so. I think instead what we have is potentially any number of, let's say, someone exposed to Christianity and has had some information about it, and that exposure did not lead to something uh, very difficult, problematic, painful. They, They didn't, in other words, get marginalized by Christianity. You may have someone who's not interested in Christianity very much at all, but they're very interested in this man or woman who happens to be a Christian and says, well, why don't you come to this event? It's designed for seekers, or it's designed for people to offer some introduction to Christianities, right? But in any case, what I'm essentially saying is that seekers, there is no such group as seekers, and that what we, what Christians typically define as seekers would best be understood as, let's say, agnostics who are coming to an event, or atheists who are coming to an event because of um, a close connection, or um, someone who is uh, had exposure to Christianity in past, and that exposure was um, limited, uh, did not result in sort of someone becoming a Christian, did not result in someone feeling alienated from Christianity, or in some way uh, not disconnected from Christianity, or in uh, viewing Christianity as simply unacceptable. So, in other words, it's I think a number of different factors or possibilities, but I, I don't think that there's anything such as a group that we can call seekers that exists in our world. This, this is simply not an, an existent group. And I think it's important for us to recognize that as Christians. I'm happy and eager to hear what listeners have to say about this. Um, if you do think that seekers exist, I'd love it if you could give me some examples and how these, these folks are not actually part of another larger group that they might identify more readily with. The next piece I want to raise um, or want to look at is this idea um, that on the one hand, churches seem to be very oriented towards Christians. Now, I'm again focusing on the integration project here, and I'm going to draw out some distinctions between what the integration project aims at and um, what it seems like Christian organizations such as the church are aiming at. So a very um, simple, uh, irrefutable statement, the the church is designed for Christians, and yet Christianity is aimed at everyone. In other words, churches seek and Christians seek 
to expand. They seek to invite everyone from all walks of life. And Christians believe that all people would be best served by being Christian. And yet churches are oriented towards Christians. So there's a disconnect there. And I think that the disconnect, this is one of those, we might term it, uh, hiding in plain sight. This is a case of something hiding in plain sight. This is a massive disconnect. Because if churches are Christian, then the orientation that churches should have, if they're inviting everyone in, as far as I can see, should be an orientation to think about how outsiders will assess and quantify the value to them of any given Christian organization. So in other words, Christians need to be asking the question, what's in it for the outsider to participate in this Christian event, to participate with this Christian organization? To the best of my knowledge, there are no Christian organizations anywhere that are asking themselves these questions. And I think this has to do, here I'm going to draw these two pieces together. On the one hand, this, there's this non-existent group, but for Christians, they believe they're there, called seekers. Well, if you believe there's a group out there that are seeking, you know, all you have to do is give them the good stuff because they're looking for generally the type of thing you're offering, right? They're seeking meaning, they're seeking, et cetera, as though all people are not somehow seeking meaning, right? If you've got a group out there who's aiming at that, all you have to do is locate that group and target for that group. But if that group does not exist, then you're never going to ask yourselves the questions, the question, what is in it for somebody who doesn't believe what I believe, who doesn't hold the authority sources I hold? What on earth would uh, impel, compel someone like that to participate in an event at a church or offered by Christians. So I think what I'm aiming at here, what comes uh, to the fore when these two pieces come together, that no, there, there is no such thing as seekers. And actually, yes, we do as Christians, if we are really legitimately promoting Christianity broadly to everyone, we need to ask ourselves, what's in it for other people to engage with us? And I think the, the key piece here is that Christians need to recognize that from a non-Christian perspective, Christianity is by and large irrelevant. And I've raised the example uh, on previous podcasts with John. Uh, we talked about um, the author of uh, The Day Metallica Came to Church. It's, it's, a, it's a Christian minister uh, in, in Calgary, Alberta, in Canada, uh, John Van Sloten. And as a result of this book and the, the kind of interactions with Metallica, um, the the uh, story goes that John was invited, John Sloten, Van Sloten was invited to an atheist conference or a conference that atheists were holding. One of the first questions he asked them when he got there was, you know, what would you say is your, your biggest issue with, with Christians? And the folks he was speaking with stopped him and he said, you know, they said, hold on, you need to understand something. We don't have any issues with Christians. The fact is, Christians and Christianity is simply irrelevant. It's not even on our map. It's not our focus at all. And I think it's this realization that needs to become central for Christians to realize, in other words, that there has been a massive loss of credibility to the point that Christianity is not an irritant. It's not a cause of frustration. 
It's not even something that people laugh or joke about. It's just not even there anymore. And we see this, we can see the result of this insofar as one of the only legitimate, if you will, uh, prejudice that can be held in North American society is a prejudice against Christianity. So if I self-identify as a Christian, I'm essentially eliminated from conversation, right? For many non-Christians, they're not going to engage me about my views. They, they, they're just going to assume that I uh, cannot relate to the world around them, the world that they know and they experience and they understand, and I'm marginalized from conversation. And I think the massive, massive effort that Christians need to undertake is to regain entry into these conversations. And one of the ways we're doing this, first of all, is to eliminate these false categories. Get rid of this idea of seekers. It doesn't exist. Or everybody that you think is a seeker, go and talk to them. Find out why they're here. Find out what their background is and then view them that way according to their background and according maybe to the ways that they self-identify. That's the first thing. The second part that I want to raise is obviously how does how does the integration project work with this? So the integration project would first of all pr- promote the awareness that by and large Christians are viewed as irrelevant. Christianity is viewed as irrelevant among non-Christians. Let's face the facts of where we stand with these folks. Uh, Number two, uh, part of it is the way that Christians are viewing the world. The the context we have laid and the the kind of uh, lenses we are viewing this context through are actually erroneous. They're problematic and they're, they're causing issues. Uh, for Christianity and undercutting Christianity's main uh, focus, which is the broadest possible promotion uh, and promoting uh, Christianity in a way that is feasible, valid, approachable, and understandable. The next piece I want to talk about in terms of introducing the integration project and focusing on how it approaches matters differently. I want to talk about two experiences that I've had over the last couple of weeks. I've begun promoting the integration project fairly broadly uh, through various uh, people that I know, and uh, now more recently through churches near where I live. I've gone to two churches with the intention of promoting the integration project. Uh, One was very successful, and uh, I will actually be delivering um, one stream of the integration project, which begins with something called the core curriculum. And I will be pr- pr- uh, delivering that in this church uh, upcoming. The next uh, church that I went to was a very different experience. The first church, uh, I typically go into these churches and I'll ask one question every time I meet somebody, what do you like best about being here? I noticed in the first church that the answers were very consistent. The people were very focused on who the minister was, how he was engaging with the Bible, and how he was engaging with them. The second church, I noticed that people tended to avoid answering the question. They didn't really seem to answer it at all. Uh, Oh, I don't don't really go here. I, I just know some people here. I go someplace else. The other thing that I experienced from the second church experience was I came away from it feeling, if you can believe this, dirty feeling dirty. And 
I felt frustrated. I felt annoyed. I felt like I'm wasting my time. I felt a number of negative things from churches um, many times, but never feeling dirty. And I think the piece that I want to raise here, specifically relative to maybe making a, not relative to, but contrasting the experience in the second church with what I'm aiming for in the integration project, the dirty that I felt when I reflected on the experience there, I came away from there as a Christian feeling very much like I did not belong, feeling very much like this is a club for a certain group of people. Uh, they had, they told bad Christian jokes that I did not value. They sang songs whose content I found to be questionable and even offensive. They took the Bible and where there were opportunities to uh, integrate other information sources and other disciplines, they bypassed those. It was a very long uh, presentation or sermon by the individual who was speaking. And at every turn where this person presented one of, I think, five different points, this person kept coming back to the Bible. Now, and I, and I know for Christians, this seems normal. This seems like it makes sense. The issue, though, is that, ironically, often what is most powerful is a fully integrated and, uh, I might call it, a full-orbed approach whereby it's not only the biblical text that's presenting matters this way, but neurologically, there's things happening that would promote this, that would say, yeah, this is a good way to go. Uh, biochemically, psychologically. So one of the points, to give you an example, that this gentleman had raised is what we, his, I think the other thing that I'll stand, stand back before I offer one of these points, is that there, there's a, a huge disconnect between the title of his uh, sermon and the content that he was working with both in the Bible and that he was presenting as a result. His title was, uh, What Do You Do When You Don't Know What to Do? And he presented a case where, uh, at the end of the book of uh, 1 Samuel, uh, David had a kind of partially given up on Israel, had uh, kind of uh, was working for the, the Philistines, and then makes this transition at this lowest possible moment, makes this transition to kind of reorienting himself towards God. And the disconnect there, I guess that the number of disconnects that came out of this second church experience were so jarring that I almost had to step out of reality. If I was going to really understand this and embrace it, I was going to have to literally let go of so much of reality that I experience, understand, and believe in. It felt like having to brainwash myself. So uh, coming back to this notion of only focusing on the Bible and that being a problem, one of the things this person mentioned that we do when we don't know what to do is we sing. Now, the interesting thing about singing, and let's say about exercise, these release endorphins. When you sing, it releases endorphins. So, And the endorphins have the ability, just like exercise, right, to um, change your mood. So, for example, one of the things that folks are, are recommended to do 
uh, if they're suffering from depression, is make sure you exercise. Why? Because it will release endorphins. Now, another thing to do, obviously, would be to sing. Get involved in a choir. If you can make that happen or somehow commit yourself to singing, that can have the same type of an effect, maybe not as predictably or as powerfully as exercise. So in other words, instead of just going to the Bible and saying, David did all these, these uh, did a lot of singing and therefore singing is how you reconnect with God. The, the, the verse in question was how you strengthen yourself in God. The point could have been made much more powerfully by bringing in another informer such as uh, neurology or uh, a biochemical uh, perspective, which would have said singing actually changes the brain chemistry. When you do that and your brain chemistry changes, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you know what to do, but it does mean you can be freed from a sense of uh, depression, paralysis, a weight upon you that keeps you from being able to think creatively. So in other words, it doesn't give you the answers, but it might put you in a position where you're more likely to be able to come up with them. And so on the whole, the experience I had in the second church was very much one where everything had to do with the Bible, where the entire perspective about, um, what you do when you don't know what to do was going back to God. And where as a human being, not just as a Christian, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, nobody does that. That's not what works. That's not what we should be recommending. And that's not what we see taking place in Scripture. So in other words, when I don't know what to do, I may ask a friend. I may stop and journal. I may uh, look at the events that are taking place around me. And I think part of the issue for the speaker was that his putative topic, his title, and the actual content he was working at were at, were at odds. He wasn't dealing with what do you do when you don't know what to do. David was in a situation where his luck had run out and he, at the end of the day, had to make a choice because his own people were about to kill him. So he's at his lowest possible point. How do you, in your lowest possible point, how should you react? Well, um, as a Christian, you might want to go and, and count on your memory, right? And this is, I think, what's happening for David. He's remembering. He's thinking back. He's recognizing, okay, you know what? This was not a great plan to come in, link in with the Philistines. They don't trust me. They're not working in good faith with me. Uh, Saul's not working in good faith with me. Who's the only guy that has been working in good faith with me? Oh, well, this is interesting. This is God. So what can I do? Well, uh, let's reconnect. Strengthening yourself in God is simply reconnecting with God. Reconnecting with God in right ways that will allow you, as a result, to have another frame of reference for perceiving your current situation. Right? So David's next move, as soon as he, this is First uh, Samuel 30, verse 6, in, in, in verse 7, he goes to the priest and he says, okay, I've got to connect with God. Wow, bang. Very obvious, right? But he's also going to someone. There's the priest there. The priest does act as the, the intercessor, right, in uh, an ancient Judean situation. But nevertheless, that's another person there that he's connecting with. And that's far more relevant, real, authentic. Uh, it matches up with what happens in daily life.
Rather than this, uh, I'm going to sing, I'm going to pray, I'm going to speak my testimony. I think what happens then, to come back to this comparison, if you will, between this second church experience, where I really, I came away from it feeling dirty, and the integration project, the dirty had to do with feeling like my humanity didn't matter, was a problem, and that everything that I had learned as an adult about how to deal with, let's say, uh, situations where I'm, I'm running out of clues didn't count, didn't matter. In fact, I've been doing it all wrong, apparently. Well, no, I don't think so, right? So the integration project values your experiences. It values your understandings. It values uh, the information sources from our society, from our, our scientific uh, endeavors, etc., that are going to give us information about, or give us uh, knowledge, let's say, about various different situations. The integration project essentially is focusing on how do all these things work together, right? You might want very little of one and a great deal of another, and yet that could also be very contextual. So the whole interpretive uh, reality of our existence is very, very strong within the integration project. It's very, it's very much a focus. And, and the irony, the irony, is that as this uh, speaker was going on, his interpret, his his exegesis of the Bible was very sketchy. Again, he's trying to pull everything out of the biblical text to to kind of uh, explain what it means to strengthen yourself in God. A notion that's not explained except we do see David in the very next verse is actually doing something about it, right? Which is connecting with God. And so ironically, the speaker is misusing, in my perspective, from my view, he's very much misusing the text and trying to stretch it to fit his ideas rather than allowing a more holistic approach, which would see, yes, the biblical text has some information to give us. And you know what? How does that work out in real life? What are the things that work for you? What have you found are things that don't work? And how does God fit into this picture of, let's say, when you're at the very lowest point and you've got to make a decision, how does God fit in there? Right? Because that's really what this topic was for the speaker. And even if we take the speaker's topic, when you don't know what to do, what's your process? And when does that process work? When does that process not work? The next episode, I want to begin to introduce the two different streams of the integration project and to explain how they work, why there are two of them, and um, how they're complementary as well. After having re-listened to part of the podcast, one thing I wanted to add as an addendum is a really clear explanation of why I've chosen to title this episode as Feeling Dirty Coming From Church. And the main thing that I wanted to get across about why I felt so negatively coming from this church experience was that so many things in my lived experience seemed to be contradicted or completely ignored as though there was no value in what I had experienced or lived. And further, so many of the things that I find to be helpful and and informative in real life, scientific perspectives, the opinions of others, etc., were marginalized. The Bible had all the information and nothing else seemed to count. And when that happens, 
my sense is, quite frankly, even as a Christian, I come away feeling dirty because I feel of no worth. I'm dirty because I'm worthless. And that's the sense that I had. And that, I think, is completely contrary to the thrust of the biblical message, to the reality of being in a love relationship, and to the truth that other information sources, including our own experience and understanding, are valid. Hope that helps. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Untangling Christianity podcast. A summary and resources for this episode are at our website, untanglingchristianity.com. If you'd like to join our private Facebook group or reach us by email, send your requests, questions, or even a simple hello to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license.